0: I'm beginning a series today called Unwrap, so would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Philippians chapter 2. And as you do that, let me greet our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And I'm excited to be able to share this series with you over the next few weeks. I believe God's given us some insight that as we approach this holiday season, the things that we really need to unwrap are those things which God is helping us to move into as a congregation. So I'm thankful for what God's doing at your location. Now let's get ready to see what God's going to speak today. The book of Philippians, the second chapter, and and I want to begin in verse 1 here. Now today, we're going to be talking over the next few weeks about different things that we need to unwrap. Today I'm going to talk about relationships. I don't know about you, but I find that my whole world is about relationships. Not only that, next week we're going to talk about forgiveness. Now, there's probably nobody that needs that sermon. But if you happen to know somebody, why don't you grab them and bring them next week? They might need it. You probably don't, but they might. Uh, And and then we're going to be talking about love. We're going to be talking about being valued over the next few weeks. So uh, I want you to be a part of that. The book of Philippians, the second chapter, verse 1 through 5, says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, the Apostle Paul says, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, what I love about the Bible is that the Bible is not just about heaven one day when we get there. That the Word of God is very practical. It talks to us about the issues of life that you and I face on a daily basis. And one thing that I found is, is that relationships is something that everybody deals with. Every person that I know deals with relationship. Now, how many of you noticed up here on my stand something a little different today? Any of you? Did, did you? Come on. Anybody knows what these are? Come on. What, what is this? Tw- Twinkie? Now, somebody says, now, Pastor's going to talk about Twinkies. He's going to talk about that relationship is like, you know, it's nice and it's cake and it tastes good and it's gooey on the inside. That is not what I'm doing. All right? here's what I found out about relationship relationship is in every arena of of this world. I mean when you begin to think about it, the, the, every nation is about relationships. The, the whole Middle East conflict right now is about what? Relationships. It's about they can't get along with one another. Uh, the, you know the the whole aspect in our country. You know, Democrats can't get along with Republicans. Republicans can't get along with Democrats. We have all this demagoguery going on and, and everybody's wrong and everybody's right and so we we, we fight through all of that. And and I, I got news the other day. I bet I hadn't eaten a Twinkie in three or four years. But I heard the other day, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? They're going to take away my Twinkies. And I, as soon as I heard that, I called Sherry. I said, are you going to the grocery store? She said, yeah. I said, buy a box of Twinkies. Now, you, you say, Well, what has that got to do with anything? Do you realize that the reason they're taking away my Twinkies is because they can't get along. Management and union can't get along. Their relationship is stealing my Twinkie. Anybody want a Twinkie? Wait. Man, I thought one of the youth would grab that. But anyway. So, so what, what we find is, is that in every aspect of life, it's, it's, it's this whole thing about dealing with relationship. It's about how do we handle relationship. Now, I want to tell you something. When, when you find yourself in trouble in your relationship, there's usually three reasons. I'll just quickly hit those. I'm not going to spend time because I want to dig into the text today. Uh, but, but the first thing is, is unresolved conflict. All right. That, that's why relationships get messed up. We you know, it's 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 the dirt pile that we, we kind of sweep over and it, it's in the corner and, and and we keep sweeping and all of a sudden it gets so big that you trip going out the door. All right. And, and so it's this unresolved conflict. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to deal with it. This, the second thing, and I'll be talking about this next week, is is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness destroys relationships. It it will destroy the best marriage on the planet. It will destroy the best partnership in business. It will destroy everything if there's unforgiveness. And then the the third thing that destroys relationships is unwise decisions or conduct. Uh, When when we make decisions that are, have you ever made, uh, again, Dave Ramsey calls it stupid tax. Any of you ever had to pay any stupid tax? Just me. I mean, i just done some dumb stuff and backed up and went, that wasn't wise. That was kind of goofy. Why did I do that? And and so we we find those aspects working. I mean, you you know what's, what's great is that even people that we highly revere had relationship issues. The Apostle Paul is one of the greatest Christians that's ever lived, and yet the Apostle Paul had some relationship problems. In one of the passages, it tells us the Apostle Paul said, I withstood Peter to his face. Have you ever had somebody get in your face? Right? I mean, it's a little intense when we. Right? And then you, you read the story there of, of Barnabas is the one who comes along, to the to, who was then known as Saul. Nobody respected him. Nobody honored him. They, they thought he was out to kill him. And Barnabas comes along and brings Saul into fellowship with the believers. He becomes, a, he becomes Paul. And, and the Bible says that they went on this missionary trip. Barnabas and Paul. And, and, and one of the guys that went with them was a guy named John Mark. Well, John Mark was a young kid. He got on the mission trip for a few days, and he decided he wanted to go home. I have been on those mission trips. (laughs) And in just a few days, I'm ready to go home. I understand. I feel his pain. All right? And so he goes home, and then the next mission trip, getting ready to start off, and Barnabas says, I want to take John Mark. And Paul said, he ain't going. He probably didn't say ain't, but... I'm not letting him. In fact, the the contention became so sharp between them that the Bible says they had their first church split. All right, that's not what it says. But it did say that Barnabas went one way and took John Mark and that Saul, Paul, went another way and took Silas with him. All of a sudden, there's there's this rift that happens because a relationship kind of got messed up. Now, here's what's wonderful, and then we'll get into the text today. The Bible lets us know that as, as the Apostle Paul is in his dying days, that he writes in one of the letters and he says... Send John Mark to me, for he is profitable for the gospel's sake. I love it that at the end of his life, here's what the Apostle Paul said. Oops, I messed up. I should have stayed in relationship with John Mark. I didn't. Now send him to me here in my latter years of life so that even though I'm in prison, he and I can have a relationship together. Listen, let me, let me help you, and we'll get into the text. Each and every one of us are going to have those oops moments where we mess up a relationship what we have to learn is is how to mend it how to put it back together and how to get it healthy Again, Now, let's look at this. We're going to look at all five of these verses, one after the other, to, to help us today. Verse 1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Here's what the Apostle Paul says, number one, if you want to have successful relationships, as we kind of unwrap this whole thing today, if you want to be successful in your relationships, number one is build on the right foundation you got to get on the right foundation. He talks about being united with Christ. Now, here's here's what I mean about that. I believe that every truly successful relationship has Jesus in it. Now, you say, Pastor, don't you think that people who don't know the Lord have relationships? Yeah, I said truly successful. Now, what do I mean by that? when, When I look at success, it's not about what's happening here. It's about what lasts for eternity. All right. So yes, there are people who don't know Jesus today who have great relationships on this, this level, and, and things are wonderful. But if I really want to have great relationships, successful relationships, understand this. You and I have got to know that in our lives that everything begins with Jesus. And, if, and the first aspect of that is, is my relationship this way? I've got to be in relationship with God Almighty. If I want my relationships this way to be healthy, I've got to get my relationships this way healthy. In fact, Jesus talked one time, and and he said, "How, how can you say you love God who you haven't seen and hate your brother whom you have seen? In other words, these two flow together. They have to be in conjunction with one another. And so I think it's needful for us to understand that the greatest relationships have Jesus at the very center of them. In our lives, we need to have Jesus. And so I challenge you today, whatever the relationship is, relationship, you say, Pastor, how can I have that when I, when I work with a bunch of heathens? How can I have that? Do you know my neighbor? Do you know, do you know who I'm married to? Well, we won't go there. You know, th- th- this whole aspect of what we deal with. And yet what I want to tell you is, is that even in the most troublesome circumstance, you can still have Jesus Christ at the center. You have to if you really want to succeed in relationships and to move forward in everything in life. Now, verse 2 there kind of begins to unwrap this even a little bit more. He says, Then then make my joy complete by being like-minded Having the same love, being one in spirit, and purpose. Now, over the past few years, we've heard a lot about this purpose thing. Right, I, I mean, Rick Warren wrote one of the most successful books uh, that has been written in the last 20 years or so called you know, The Purposeful Life and How to Live Life in, in a Purposeful Will. Wait, well, here's what I want to tell you about relationships. Number two is you have to understand the purpose of the relationship. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Every relationship is different. I found that out when I got married. Let me talk to you a minute. You can't have a relationship with your spouse the same way you have with your parents. You want me to explain it? I I don't know how long I'd been married, but been married for a little while, and, and I made the mistake of comparing my wife to my mother. Here's the deal. I sat down to eat. You know what I did. I only did it once, so I'm a quick learner. And she had cooked something that my mom cooked. And I said, this doesn't taste. Yeah. She let me know real quick she wasn't my mama. And I've never made that mistake again. Never. See, every relationship is different. And our problem is, I I, I want you to catch this. Our problem is is that we try to get something out of a person that they can't give us. The reason so many relationships fail, I'll just deal with marriage for a minute. The reason so many marriages fail is that we're trying to get something out of somebody they can't give us. Such as, well, they don't make me happy. Really? Well, if I was happy... If they would just do right, I'd be happy. You ready? There is nobody on earth that can make you happy but you. So quit blaming the person you're married to if you're an old grouch. And I smiled as I said it. No, really, we've got this whole misunderstanding. And we say, well, you know, if they would just do that, they're not supposed to do that. There, there are parents who don't get this. There are parents. Can I can I just talk to you? I don't. I never used to preach sermons about raising kids because I had seen too many pastors preach that, and then I saw their kids. <laughs> I said I'm not that dumb, and so I waited. You know, till my kids are in their 20s and older, and then now I'll talk to you a little bit about it. And here's what I want to tell you: If you have children who are at home, and I don't mean if they're still 50 at home, but I mean. You know, teenagers and younger that are still at home. It, the others I ain't got time to talk to you about. We don't have that long of a sermon. But the, the, the process is, is that you need to understand is that God doesn't expect you to be their friend. God expects you to be the parent. Wow, I didn't really get much release on that, did I? It's like, well, I want them to like me. No, 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 no. You need to understand. One of the aspects in the job description of a parent is they won't like you. In fact, when they hit about, oh, I don't know, 12, if they haven't slammed the door and muttered under their breath, you're not doing your job. See, so... We, we've got to understand this. I, I can't expect in life, I, I, let me do it this way, you, you, you don't go to the lawyer expecting him to diagnose what your health issue is. You don't walk in and, and say, I'm, I'm here today to see so and so he's a lawyer here in the city and, and, and I, I want to talk with him and you go in and say, you know, I'm just not feeling good today. You know, I've had this cough and, and I've been running a fever and... Uh, I, I mean, that guy's going to look at you and say, I'm sorry, you got mixed up. I, I'm not a doctor, I'm a lawyer. I, I'll help you settle your legal issues, but you need to go see uh, uh, you know, a doctor. You need to go talk to somebody else. Now, why is it we understand that in profession, but we don't understand that in relationship? See, there are a lot of us who are trying to get things out of people that they can't give us. In fact, what you need to understand even in the whole aspect of relationship and business or whatever, you you can't expect if you're in management to have the same kind of relationship with people who are not in management. I'm I'm trying to be helpful. You you, you have to understand there's a difference. If I'm I'm the owner of the company, I'm not just one of the, the guys. I'm not just one of the gal. I'm, I'm the owner of the company, and so I can't expect to get all of my needs met. It just doesn't happen. So, so we have to understand that, that whole dynamic there uh, of understanding the purpose of the relationship. Look at verse 3. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Now, number 3 is you have to learn to live A selfless, selfless, not selfish life. If you want to have a successful relationship, doesn't matter if that's in the arena of your neighborhood or if it's in your family or if it's in business or if it's in nations, it doesn't matter. There's got to be selflessness. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't know, uh, but I think I'm pretty well 100% on this, it is tough sometimes to put somebody else's needs above your own i mean it's just not it's just not the natural tendency to say well i, I just what whatever now we say that going to lunch we're going to go eat well, i don't know where you want to go well i don't know where you want to go come on there there will be arguments today after churches Love and true churches will dismiss, and before people get to the restaurant, they'll lose every bit of sanctification they had. Because they'll have that Just dis- Come on, you know the discussion. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? And somebody names them Go, no, I don't want to go there. <laughs> and usually my wife goes, see, that's why I want you to choose. It, it's, it's that whole process there that we, we have to understand. Living selflessly. I want to tell you, you, you find that happening in your life as your life goes through stages. You know, when, you, when you're a young, single, college kid, uh, you know, life's about you. It's about, you know, staying up all night and, you know, cramming for tests and then sleeping all day and, uh, you know, if you make it to the job, fine, if not, who cares, you know, there'll be another job, right? You know, stay up and play video games all night and, do, you know, all, all those real great Things that help you in your cho- choice of profession and where you're headed. and, and uh, but when you get married, you 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 really ought to go to bed. I, I'm not going to take that too far. Uh, <laughs> you you know you really ought to you really ought to get up the next morning. You 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 really ought to get a job <laughs> if you're going to be married. Because all of a sudden, it's not just about you anymore, it's about two of you. And then all of a sudden, little bambinos start showing up. And and, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but once the kids come along, it's not about you at all. Right? Right? I mean, come on. You you know, some of you did it today in churches, and and, and you came in the, to, to the hallway. You saw somebody with a little baby. You didn't talk to them. And hey, you cute it, it comes about the baby, and then you add grandkids. I'm just in this grandkid thing. You, I don't even, I, I don't even care if I have kids anymore. It's like, why didn't we start here? I, I, I mean, you know, it, it's but it, but it's all about living selflessly. I I. I mean, I, I tell you how, how it is. I, I told my mom this year, I said, Don't buy anything for us. Don't buy, I don't want anything for Christmas. Just, you know, buy the kids and the grandkids. Don't. Now, I really did get saved, didn't I? <laughs> but that's where you have to come to a place of living. So, so you, you have to learn how to live for others. You're, you're, day in and day out, you're living not for yourself. And in relationship, that's part of it. Whether it's in the business world, whether it's in uh, any other arena of life, you've got to learn to live selflessly. Then verse 4, he says this, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, this one I want to spend a moment with. The fourth thing that you need to do to have a successful, healthy relationship is you need to learn to appreciate others. I don't know in your life, but I would dare say that life has a way of making your tank run dry. Do, do you understand what I mean by that? In other words, just living life and, and doing the things, getting up and going to work, taking care of all the things that you have to, sometimes you're, you're just emotionally drained. I mean, there, there are moments that in your life that you don't want to talk to anybody. And for some of you, that is huge. You, you don't want to have any kind of interaction. It's like, I don't want to go out and eat with anybody. I don't want to see anybody. In fact, if I could, I'd just go hide for a while. Why? Because you, you just run out. Now, you know what what builds back inside of you? What restores you the quickest? is when somebody tells you something that they appreciate about you. When somebody comes along and says, you know what? I saw you today Uh, there in the office and and I know that you're the one who put that report together I know the boss acted like he did it but I know you stayed here the last three weeks working on that till eight and nine o'clock at night and I want you to know I appreciate you doing that you know what all of a sudden you don't feel near as bad as you did why because somebody offered some encouragement somebody found some good in you a, a lot of us grew up in families that were, uh, and, and I want to use the right term, but, but they were very goal-oriented. Let me say it that way. They were very goal-oriented. And, and so if you made a B, they, they'd go, well, B is good, but why didn't you make a A? And if you happened to make an A, they'd go, well, why didn't you make a A-plus? I never had that conversation too often. You know, if you scored one goal, why didn't you score three? If you hit one run, why didn't you? And, and it was always that. And, and I want to challenge us today. I want to challenge us as parents and, and friends of, of people who have children. Why don't we learn to look for something good and complement that? Why don't we learn to look around and to say, you know what? I saw you doing something good. Now, I want to be quick to tell you, it is easy to find something negative. It doesn't take any energy at all to pick up on the negative things. But it takes somebody who is willing to say, you know what? And you say, well, Pastor, you know, nobody does that for me. Well, let me quote you a scripture. Give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down shaking together and running over if you don't if you don't give encouragement how can you expect to receive encouragement the bible says you're going to get back it whatever you give if i give encouragement it's interesting that barnabas that i referred to earlier in the sermon barnabas his name means the son of encouragement He's the one who comes alongside when nobody wants Saul around and says, come on, be a part of what's happening. He's an encourager. Listen, everybody needs to be encouraged. Everybody needs somebody to come along beside them and say, you're doing a good job. And then the last thing is this. Verse 5 says that we should have the attitude that was the same as what Jesus Christ had. So here's the fifth aspect of, of healthy, successful, productive relationships. And that is humility is the key. Humility is the key. Jesus Christ left the splendor of heaven, and the Bible says took upon him the form of man, and although he was equal with God, he thought it not robbery to leave all of that and come down and to be one of us. Jesus lived out on a daily basis the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. And He showed us by His life and His lifestyle, He could have blown everybody away, but He walked in humility. I mean, can you imagine? The the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God and the Word was God and everything was made by Him. Now, Now, watch this. The Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the full incarnation of everything that God is, and yet He is the Word revealed, but He doesn't blow anybody away. If He meets a farmer, He talks about farming. If He meets a woman at the well, He talks about water. Why? Because He understood humility. If we would look at our relationships with humility if we would, as the Scripture says, esteem one another better than ourselves. I mean, just think about that for a minute. How many relationships that have been so damaged would be repaired? How many of our lives would be lived fuller if we were willing to walk in true humility? That's what God's called us to. Now I close with this. couple of three things real quickly. How, how do I put this to play tomorrow? All right? So I'm gonna give you three I'm, I'm, this the whole sermon's been practical, but this part's going to be real practical. Tomorrow. Number one is, go out of your way to be appreciative. Just tomorrow I'm, I'm going to find somebody, some situation I'm going to be appreciative. Number two, don't set your expectations too high. Don't think just because you went out of your way to be appreciative, everybody's going to be appreciative back. Just understand that you're sowing seed, that you're just doing some things. And then lastly, learn what's really important. I, I found this in my relationships, whether it's a staff issue or whether it's in with my wife or in a church setting or whatever, a lot of things are not near as important as I've made them. Now I'm, I'm going to get in trouble here real quick, but it's not my first time. I know a clean room is nice. But time with a child is more important. There are some of us, and I thank God for the story of Mary and Martha, but there are some of us who are so busy in so many areas that we're like Martha, we get caught up in the urgent and we miss out on what's important. Let me tell you, the urgent will always holler louder. It will always call your name. And the important things just kind of go by the way. But if I want to have healthy relationships, again, whatever arena that's in, then I've got to understand what's really important what's the most important thing in this relationship and make that a priority. I'm so glad that Jesus said, it's more important for me to be a Savior than it is for me to be a King. He was a King who became a Savior who now is my soon coming King. But it was because of his humility that I'm able today to experience salvation and to have the greatest relationship that anybody can have. And as I began, I close. That relationship is with Jesus Christ.